Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We can't decide who's going to speak. <laughs> no, we just stared at each other for a minute. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we've uh, we've powered through and watched the last three episodes of The Crusade. I would not say powered through. No? Oh. Whenever we watch more than, like, two episodes in one sitting, mm-hmm. one episode, one recording, so to speak, I feel like we're powering through. Mm. Doesn't feel that way to you? No. No? Mm-mm. Well, I thought because based on your previous or still perhaps current, I don't know how you feel about this, um, feeling towards historicals, I thought perhaps watching three episodes in a row to get rid of a story, two of which uh, two of which these episodes don't exist, that might be called powering through. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, actually, right now, I am more than anything just really mad. I am so upset right now. Why? Because those two episodes don't exist and I want them back so uh, bad. This was an amazing story. I like wow, it so much. What? <laughs> I'm really what? upset. What? Yes. I was not expecting this. Oh, I am so frustrated. Uh, you know, they always ask that question at Doctor Who panels and on podcasts and stuff. You know, if you could have one story back that's uh-huh. missing, what would it be? And I always had to just guess based on what I had heard since I hadn't really seen any recons. And, I mean, admittedly, this is we're not very far in. <laughs> so right. I, haven't, I haven't consumed too many that are missing. Mm-hmm. But so far, this is my pick. I would much rather see the rest of this than Marco friggin' Polo. <laughs> and I enjoyed that. Fine. Okay. Um... What did you enjoy about the crusade? <laughs> not that I'm not surprised. I think it's mm-hmm. a great story, but mm-hmm. uh, but based on based on your previous reaction, I, I, mm-hmm. I was not expecting much out of this. Well, I mean, I liked that first episode quite a bit. Yeah, I just wasn't sure that it would continue. Um, I do have to say, I'm slightly conflicted just because I don't know. Actually, I don't know how well they they handled either one of the cultures. This being historical, mm-hmm. so you know, Saladin and the culture culture of of Jaffa and Lida. Um, I have no idea if that's true to form. I feel like there were definitely some kind of racist stereotypes in there. Ibrahim uh, being yeah. like one of the worst. However, as, as terrible as that stereotype was, right. the actor did a really good job being a terrible stereotype. So it's it, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of conflicting emotions going on right now as far as that part of it goes. Honestly, you could take Ibrahim mm-hmm. out of the Crusade in like 1179 or whatever it was. And drop him in Raiders of the Lost Ark, yep. made in 1981, and he wouldn't look at a place. This is true. Yep. Yep. Yeah, in some ways we haven't really come that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I felt pretty conflicted the last time I watched Raiders, too, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, you ever watched the uh, fight scene in the bar in uh, Mongolia? Is that what they are? Mongolia or Nepal? I can't remember. Most okay. of it are uh, white stuntmen oh, painted up to look oh, like... Oh, yeah, I uh, think you mentioned that before. Yeah. 1981. 1981. <sighs> Not okay. just towns of Wang Chai. Anyway, go on. Yes. Um, but but I'm still able to see the things that I really like about it. Actually, at uh, at one of the, the panels at L.I. Who this last year, uh, the one talking about, I can't remember if it was called Color Separation Overlay, but it was about race and stuff in Doctor Who. And and uh, and mm-hmm. our good friend Joy was talking about how, yeah, there's there's awful racist stuff in the talents of Wang Chai, but there's also some really good stuff in there too. So yes, um, it's you know you don't always want to ignore everything, and this is one where if I can quell that side of things, oh my god, I love this so much. It was the performances were pretty much amazing from top to bottom. I mean, you've got 
You've got Jean Marsh. Jean Marsh. Did you know she was in this? I did not know that she... I, I had known that she was in it previously, but if you would have asked me right before it started, I probably wouldn't have remembered. Okay. Like, I knew she was... I, I mean, I know she's uh, Sarah Kingdom, but... Um, and I knew she had been in one other story. I'd forgotten what it was. So it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. a surprise that she showed up and that was her. Oh, but it was a little bit of like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And, oh, God, she's just amazing. Yeah. And putting her in the same scenes as uh julian glover wow just electric that argument that they had just unbelievable i think that might be one of my favorite scenes in doctor who of all time like ever it was so good i'm so glad that that is one of the episodes that was existing Uh because damn that was amazing um the intrigue is interesting. I had a little trouble in the second episode because I was getting used to reading the script no. and at the same time as watching no. the recon. And I do appreciate that the recon version that we watched had um, a few stage directions kind of put at the bottom of the screen. But the audio was fuzzy enough that I had a little trouble understanding what the words were. Uh-huh. So I had to read the script on my computer and it was hard to kind of follow both things at the same time. Right. And that was a really intricate episode when it comes to like you know each person setting out what their motivations are and who they're conspiring with and all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. i was very frustrated for a little while Uh, but once it started to come together towards the end of that one we've had coca-cola tonight yes i keep (laughs) more burpees that's all right excuse me i know it's a crazy wild night tonight lazy doctor who is the most human podcast we are we are who we are Uh um so it was it was hard to watch. By the end of that episode, episode two, I was kind of in the groove of, of reading and, and hearing and just wrapped up in the story. So when you said, do you want to do another one? I was like, yes, even before I knew that it was an extant mm. episode. So And then we watched it and it was just unbelievably amazing. And And then by that point, I was almost literally on the edge of my seat. I actually found myself tensing up and like leaning forward at certain parts, especially when Barbara was trying to sneak around and, and, you know, be taken prisoner and, and stuff. And (sighs) I just, my reaction to this story is way better than I would have expected any doctor who from this era to hit me. And Oh my God, William Hartnell was super good as the doctor, all excited about the palace intrigue and his, the looks on his faces when he was, you know, it was sort of staged that he was looking at the camera and the King would be like behind him talking and, yeah. or, um, uh, the Duke of Leicester or Earl of Leicester or whatever Earl of Leicester. it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. And, you know, I I have to say I liked Vicky's costume better before they discovered she was a girl right. and put her in that dress with a stupid hat. I hate that kind of hat with a little thing tied underneath Major, the chin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not a fan. Um, <laughs> Erica critiques 12th century fashion <laughs> just, on Lazy Doctor. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it was just there, there's so much back and forth. You're right; it's very Shakespearean. I mean, down to Vicky pretending down, to be exactly, a boy, yeah, yeah, and then revealed to be a girl, and even down to the portrayal. I mean, in in that regard, I mean, you know, if they're dressing up as as you know male actors as girls back in those days in Shakespearean plays. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're certainly dressing up uh, people from the Middle East. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, you um, know, it was it would I'm almost out of words because it was just it was really really good. Douglas Camfield directed that. Did he? Yeah, I know. I only mentioned it because I, didn't, I guess I didn't. Because I think that's why there's a pace to it. I think that's why the mm-hmm. the performance is sparkle. Because I think he probably uh, he's the kind of director, even in these early days of mm-hmm. his directing career, 
he uh, I think he strove to, to get some good performances out of people. Um, there's a great shot that I never noticed before where they sort of pan across. I think it's, um, is it Safadin or is it uh, um, William DePreo when he's talking to Saladin? And they sort of, you know, pan over from one extreme close-up all the way over to uh, Saladin, a profile shot of Saladin. And you can see the torch in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, I'm even, I'm always like a good artistic shot, but I'm even more amazed when, they, when they're done in 1965 because the cameras mm-hmm. are the size of a house. <laughs> yeah. And you have to, you know, it takes a lot of effort to actually get that, that kind of shot. I like that. Interesting to note, um, so the story goes... Before you tell the story, I just okay. want to say, yes, yeah. I noticed a lot of good close-ups, too. I don't always notice camera stuff, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of really interestingly framed shots, nice close shots of people's faces and stuff, so I agree. Can't feel. Okay. Tell your story. Um, I don't know if you remembered when uh, when I interviewed, interviewed Julian Glover on stage mm-hmm. at Gallifrey One uh, back in mid-February. Uh, and Julian Glover said that he he was not, you know, he thought that William Hartnell was very tetchy and sort of short and bad Standoffish. Mm-hmm. Well, so the story goes. The script, the original script, um, certainly for episode two, I think it was toned down a little bit for episode three, but there was a little bit of an incestuous relationship between uh, King Richard and Joanna. I wondered about that, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. William Hartnell caught uh, uh, wind of this. Oh. And or I wanted that stamped out, and so wow. they, and so I think though that that Glover and Marsh still kind of played it that way. Yes, yes, they did. You know, especially mm-hmm. in episode two, uh, and I think that perhaps Hartnell was not a fan of that, mm. uh, and so perhaps he kind of um, got in the middle of his snit and sort of, you know. Maybe took it out on his uh, esteemed guest co-stars. So, uh-huh. yeah. interesting. Yeah, I I did actually notice that at the time, and I was like, "Wow, is this this is very Shakespearean?" Except I I don't buy into that stupid Freudian interpretation of Hamlet. Frankly, that annoys me. But uh, but a lot of people do. So that reminded me of this. Is a Freudian interpretation of Hamlet? Uh, the idea that Hamlet was actually wanting to get it on with his mom. There are certain uh, versions of Hamlet that are very pretty explicit with the staging of the scene between Hamlet confronting his mother uh, ah. in her bedchambers. Yeah, I don't like that myself. <laughs> I guess it call, call me a Shakespearean prude, but... <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I only remember the, the uh, Mel Gibson-Glenn Close scene. Uh, well, that was, that was one. That was the one. That's all I know. That's one of, one, one of many. Yeah. Um... What else? Um, Ian William uh, Russell was uh, on holiday for episode three because he's the only one one scene uh, on film. Oh, before he gets uh, in episode four where he gets um, almost eaten by ants. I didn't notice his absence. I guess I yeah. was just I was so wrapped up in in everything. Although it was really it was cool to see him get knighted. Yep, that was. I don't know if you ever heard hear that. Hear him get knighted. Yeah, uh, remember when I before I pressed play on uh, episode two of our, the recon that I have. Um, it's on the di- on the Lost in Time disc, I believe, is where it is. But when they released this story on VHS ninety two, I think it was. Um, we should watch that actually. William Russell did a short little introduction in character <laughs> to sort of introduce the uh, the mm-hmm. missing episodes of whether because they had the audio of that. Aww. yeah, I kind of want to watch that now. Maybe. We'll, we'll watch it after this, but it's like four minutes. Oh, okay, yeah, it's not that long. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm just so impressed. I'm just so happy that you... <laughs> I have to wonder because I know how much you like beginnings of stories, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if perhaps because you saw episode one, therefore you saw the settings, you saw the characters, you got, you know, 
sort of got the the establishment of where and when and how this mm-hmm. story was taking place that you could sort of imagine in your mind what everybody's looking like as opposed to Marco Polo which we saw no moving images from mm-hmm. and therefore it's harder to get do you think that might have been another reason why you liked it or or was it just the story well that, that could have been why I liked it better than Marco Polo perhaps mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe, like I said, like one of the things that I liked the most was that scene between Richard and Joanna. So had that only been in audio form, mm-hmm. it would not have held, they wouldn't pack, would not have packed the same punch. I mean, it still would have been good because they were both, you know, giving it their all dialogue wise, but. But there's so much movement and so action much, yeah, going on. Yeah, and it's, I mean, really, it's, they, they, they act with their eyes. They yes. do such a great, both of them do such a great job with that they really convey a lot in their body language and the way that they're moving and then those eyes. So Yeah. So yeah, I mean that might be that might be a good part of it. Mhm. Um I'm still not going to change my vote. I don't want to I'm not I'm still not going to say Marco Polo. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> no, the crusade this. is still very highly regarded. It's it's interesting that it's only four parts and that um everyone just sort of leaves, you know, the doctor like, "Oh, we're kind of, you know, we've made an enemy with this uh, Earl of Leicester." Let's get out of here. They don't really see, you know, they sort of leave the king. That's his last scene. King yep. Richard never actually appears. And they said, let's get out of here fast as our, fast as our mm-hmm. legs can carry us. They get back to the ship. And, co- you know, coincidentally, mm-hmm. just when he and the barber get there. Of course. Also uh, Shakespearean. Also very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very Shakespearean. Is it very Shakespearean? I don't know much about Shakespeare. Well, I mean, there's, it's, uh, it, that is not limited to Shakespeare. But, uh, you know, coincidences that are very convenient that mm. is that is a thing that happens a lot in plays and literature mm. and well pretty much everything with a plot cuz yeah. that's that's often <laughs> that's true often necessary you did notice cuz we were reading a script probably at the time but you did notice at least one line in iambic pentameter i did i don't remember what it is now but it was, as i was uh, something about saladin that uh, that mm-hmm. joanna said to um yep. to richard yeah. yeah so i just i happened that happened to catch my eye as i was reading cuz you mentioned in our last episode that you had heard that some of the lines are in iambic pentameter. Well, I can say one is for sure. Yeah. There, there could very well be other ones mm-hmm. that just happened to catch my eye. There were some really great lines in this. Oh, my God. There were so many. Do you was, remember any of them? David I, Whitaker? That David Whitaker wrote, wrote this. Wow. Yep. Wow. We'll be hearing more from Mr. Whitaker. I cannot wait. The first, uh, the first story editor mm-hmm. through all of the first series. And he, he came back from time to time to write, uh, yeah. to write episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. my one of my favorite and most chilling cliffhangers is the end of uh, episode three or two, three, uh, when uh, Barbara gets uh, thrown down at Elakir's feet and yes. says, "You know, death is the only pleasure that awaits you, and death, death is very far away." Oh my God, that was just like my heart dropped into my stomach. And actually, in between, while we were listening to the uh, the closing credits music and then the opening of the next one, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this being historical. And my reaction to it, like loving it, uh, compared to the historical and my reaction to it of the Romans. Yes. Where it was kind of a similar thing that happened to Barbara. She gets taken captive. She's in the household of a powerful man who wants to do bad things to her. Uh-huh. And I hated that. And this, I mean, I didn't hate, I hated the things he wanted I to do. I loved what she was going to, yes. <laughs> I hated the things he wanted to do to her and the predicament she was in. Uh-huh. But... It really, really worked for me. And I think I realized it's because this is not played for laughs in the least. This is absolutely harrowing. Mm -hmm. And 
I I do wish that we would have been able to see the next episode in which, you know, we get Barbara pretending to not be scared of him and yeah. pretending to be bored and standing up to him and slapping the gold coins out of his hand um, because I have a feeling that uh, Jaclyn Hill did a really good job. Um, she did. But, you know, all we could do was, was hear it. Mm-hmm. Even that that sounded good, but I want to see it. Um, yeah, quite a, quite a story. Uh, let's see, in a uh, possible incestuous relationship between... <laughs> Uh, Richard and Joanna. Then there's the scene after uh, Barbara's being told by um, Haroon to say that, you know, if 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 they come in here, mm-hmm. kill my daughter and then kill yourself. And then while they're hiding, Barbara takes up the knife and looks at it and goes and ponders it. Uh-huh. Like thinking to herself, can I do this? Is that something I'm capable of? And people say Doctor Who is dark now? No. Come on. Wow, Stephen Moffat is a friggin' teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. So is Robert Holmes, actually. Robert Holmes would go, would go a little more and actually show it in the 1970s, you know, mm. the Tom Baker era and stuff like that. But uh, Yeah, this yeah, was... Uh, dark stuff. Very dark. And this was, you know, Saturday tea time television. You got it. Quarter past kitties. five. Yep. Wow. I think we take for granted how intelligent children are i think we've probably dumbed mm-hmm. dumbed down things a lot for children over the years i don't know if intelligent is the right word i don't know accepting emotional intelligence that's there's not really a perfect word for yeah yeah you know well their ability to Comprehend. absorb absorb things mm-hmm. um although you know to be fair there is the whole uk thing of hiding behind the sofa yeah because because apparently uk kids were terrified of doctor who i've talked to many who literally were they were very very scared of it uh, but still usually came back to keep watching more and more and most of them turned out all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking about my friends and right no not gonna backpedal i'm not gonna those people who are actually making doctor who now Uh uh-huh yeah but i think uh i think you are right i think the tendency, and I say this as a person with no children who has no interest in having children, mm-hmm. but it does seem like television makers and makers of media tend now to really try to coddle children yeah. much, much more than was the case before. Or I'd almost go so far as to say coddle adults into thinking that yeah. it's safe for children. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That is true. But, I mean, you know, there are kids who do have legitimate nightmares and it does screw up screw up life for them mm-hmm. for a while. Like, I remember seeing an R-rated movie at a friend's house that did disturb me a lot and gave me nightmares for quite a while. And it probably would have been better for my psyche had yeah. I not seen that. So, you know, it's, there's a, there's a fine line to be walked, but it seems like people were a lot less worried about that line back in 1965. Mm. Well, it's a shame that, uh, as you say, because I mean, we, we kind of lucky when it comes to the first two seasons of Doctor Who and that a lot of it still exists. This yeah. one in Marco Polo, I think, just because of the subject matter, didn't get as widely um, sold abroad, I don't think. Ooh. You know, like it wouldn't have gone to the Middle East because... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, totally makes sense. But I do believe that uh, An Earthly Child all the way through until The Chase, two stories from now, was sold to, um, to Ethiopia as late as 1972. So if there are episodes of Doctor Who that still exist, and I still think there are, uh, there's a better chance of the crusade existing than perhaps some other one. So perhaps one day we oh, shall see episodes two and four. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yep. 
so far. I think that'll be a thing that I do as we go along on this podcast, as mm-hmm. we go through the, the missing stories, is to, you know, after each one, sort of check in with myself and decide, all right, would I rather have this one back or the crusade? So that's what... I that's, choose. I want them all back. Well, I want them all back, but I still... I'm, I'm a nerd, and I'm, I know I'm going to get asked that question again on right. a panel or something, and I want to have a ready answer. You've got, you've got panel fodder now. Yeah, exactly. I suck at coming up with things... Uh, on the fly, right. so I'm I'm gonna you know check in with myself on uh, on the hand wavium podcast, uh, which I quite enjoy. Um, it's a, a father and his young twelve or thirteen year old daughter mm-hmm. talking about random episodes of Doctor Who, whatever they feel like watching in and Australia. In Australia, and the way that he asks her to rate every episode at the end of the podcast, and I love this so much, <laughs> is to compare it to. The Beast Below, yeah. which is a story that I quite enjoy, so I appreciate <laughs> that she likes it. She loves that story so much I know, it's all so the funny. rest of them have to be compared to The Beast Below. Even Stephen so, Moffat doesn't like that, and he wrote it. Yeah, but. well, he's wrong. Yeah. Um, so I just, like, just want to like raise my middle finger to fandom and be like, see? <laughs> Screw y'all. But anyway, so she's comparing every episode to The Beast Below. Mm-hmm. I will heretofore be comparing every missing episode to the two missing episodes of The Crusade. Yep. This is my this is my plan Excellent. for the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because uh, after the next few episodes, we've got a lot of missing episodes to get through. Yay! We'll see. Uh, I will manage. I will yeah. get through. It's not like it, we're not going to stop. Hell no! No, I, I'm looking forward to them because I haven't mm. I haven't watched and paid attention to missing episodes since I did my blog for them back in the first gap year of Doctor Who in 2009. <laughs> it's been seven years since I've seen these. Seven wow. years. And I've only seen the, you know, some of these recons. Like, this will be the fourth time watching them. Wow. I know. That's, see, to me, that sounds like a lot. but It's not, though. It's far, far less than, I've, uh, uh, than other episodes that I've watched. So. You're a nerd, and I love you. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to get Courtney on this podcast. We don't it's do that. so far too this late for that. This is a professional podcast. <laughs> Speaking of professional, uh, we're doing this on our phone. We, we ordered a microphone. We... Because, you know, in past episodes, we used to go into the room, the podcast room, and set up the Yeti and sit across from it and talk to the same mic because we thought, you know, we bought a Yeti. Yeah, so but, this is a thing that we should do. But, and then we realized that was not in keeping no, with the title of the podcast or the spirit. No. So we, uh, we ordered a microphone, mm-hmm. which is a nice microphone. And but it's a handheld microphone, or you can put it in the tripod. I bet you we'll put it. I bet you won't even hold it. We'll probably put it on a tripod right here, and then we'll talk into it or something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be lazy if we had to hold it up like this. That's true. But so like it, the phone cast days might be over soon, but we'll still be lying sitting on the couch afterwards, talking with slightly better quality. Into mm-hmm. yeah. So a heads up. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Something to possibly look forward yeah, to, assuming true. it happens right and we get it to work. Hashtag teaser. Teaser. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, next up, as you saw, is uh, the Space Museum. I'm excited about that. Yeah? Yeah. Because uh, coming into this, mm-hmm. I knew pretty much nothing about it. Like, I knew that it had to do with the Crusades, but that's <laughs> that's about that, it. That's what it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think maybe I knew that the first episode was called The Lion because we saw the actual film of it at Chicago TARDIS. We certainly did. Um, somebody somebody had it Steven there. Siegel. It was also at uh, Gallifrey One too. Yeah, so I actually yeah. got to see one of the highlights. I think of of Chicago TARDIS was just standing around in the lobby. Somebody like maybe was you tapping me on the shoulder, oh, yeah. and pointing over there, like being like, "Look!" So I got to see it. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, I turn around and he's like, "Got it!" And he's pulling it out so that Dan Starkey can like. 
was he was viewing it as if it was some holy relic. It was really really amazing. Wasn't it awesome? Yeah, that was super super cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I knew the name of the episode, but uh, uh, you don't get a lot uh, out of just uh, a bit of film. Nope, that's <laughs> not being projected. It was very cool to see it, but yeah, it didn't there. tell me anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Space Museum is next. Yes. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. So now I feel like I know a lot more about the Space Museum going into it because I have heard at least a couple of podcasts about it. So mm-hmm. I don't remember really well, but I feel like of this season, this is probably one of the ones that I'm most familiar with the story of. So okay. it will be, uh, it's interesting because sometimes I, I wasn't particularly looking forward to the crusade right? and then I loved it. And sometimes when I'm looking forward to them, then I'm kind of like, meh, that's all right. So it'll, it'll be, it'll be a thing to see mm-hmm. what my reaction is. How many episodes is it? It's four. Is it? Wow. There's four episodes. They all exist. A couple shorties. Um, are you aware of the value added material that's on the DVD for the space museum? I know it's a very specific question, but. Um, I guess I would have I would have guessed that there was Vam, but I don't know anything right. about it. Or maybe I do, and I just don't remember that I've heard of it. You're going to tell me what it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just wanting to see if you knew, and you don't. So probably not. I mean, we'll you be- could you could say three words about it, and I might go, "Oh yeah, I've heard of that." But well, I won't say anything now. But okay. uh, when we watch the story, whenever that is, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps once the story's done, then perhaps we'll watch that um, that little bit of extra on the DVD and uh, okay. that's what you think. That's all I'll say. That's fine. No no one say anything, those of you listening right now <laughs> yeah, who don't, know what I'm talking don't, about. Don't tweet at me and give it away, whatever it is. Yeah, spoilers. Vam spoilers. Okay. Vam spoilers. Yeah. Oh boy. I kind of want to watch that tonight now. The Vam? No, Space Museum. Uh, you were the one that was saying I know, but I'm so sleepy. I know, but I'm jazzed at the fact that you liked not only a historical, but a recon historical. Like, mm-hmm. this is amazing days. I feel like we have to capitalize it's a, this. It's a red-letter day. Circle it on the calendar, <laughs> Watch people. Watch all the Doctor Who in one night. <laughs> as much as we can. Ah, we'll see. Whatever. This one's out. And you're enjoying it. Well, you would be if you were listening to it now. Which uh-huh. I suppose you are, but we aren't because we're still wow, talking listen about to you. you. And you're enjoying it. Boy, somebody has a high opinion of, uh, of our little podcast. Although I suppose if they oh, weren't enjoying yeah. it, they probably wouldn't be listening. That's true. Actually, that's not true. We had at least one person on Verity, maybe a few, who were uh, pretty much hate listening. So what? Yeah, hate listening. What Verity or this? Verity. Not really? This. this was a long time ago. Who would hate listen to Verity? Uh, somebody who I think may have been clinically insane. There oh. was there there was some. Oh, that per- I remember yeah, that. Some, yeah, some was... posts on the blog yeah. that I deleted because they were weird and scary. <laughs> this podcast getting really inside baseball. Yep. Well, that's this is what you get. It's a podcast from our couch. It, that's true. It's uh, in every way. Okay. Well, um, I guess that's it. Before I wrap it up, and get on the space museum. Ooh! Before what? we before we go, okay. uh, I should totally not exactly related to the podcast and All not right. entirely a sponsor, but uh, I want to to sing the praises of my accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I know. I know it's ridiculous uh, to say that, but I I am very excited about it since I moved to Canada. The reason I moved to Canada is because of Doctor Who. Let's face it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The reason, uh, yeah, all all roads lead back to Doctor Who in both their lives. Long right. story short, go on. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I feel like it's fitting. Um, and apparently, the United States is the only nation in the world that taxes based on citizenship instead of residency, which means I have to file taxes both here in Canada and in the United States, which is scary and confusing and complicated. Uh, 
But I managed to find a U.S. accountant who is really good at explaining things clearly and very friendly, and his name is Andrew Carroll. And yes, he did agree to give me a deal on doing my taxes uh, in exchange for singing his praises because he's trying to grow his business, and I think he's fantastic. So I would like to help him do that. Uh, And also, since I'm in between jobs right now, it is very helpful to (laughs) not have to to pay full price. Um, However, I probably would say nice things anyway. So... That is that is a thing. I'm going to put a uh, uh, like link in the show notes. We don't yeah. need to do that. I could. I probably could. Yeah. I have to see if he has like it's a fancy for, website. It's not very just lazy. Been, that's true. Yeah. I've just been emailing with him, but I'll put something in the show notes. What's that name again? Andrew Carroll. How do you spell with it? With two R's and two L's. C A R R O L L. Yeah. A Carroll O'Connor. Yes. Okay. I'm going to kick myself if this is wrong because we're lazy and I'm not looking at any notes, but. Yeah, oh, he's shaking his head at me. We're terrible. I know, we are awful, awful people. Okay. But anyway, thank you, Andrew. And uh, if you happen to be, I mean, he does regular U.S. taxes, so you don't have to be somebody who lives in Canada. So if you need help, uh, give him a shout. Do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right, then. That's it? That's it for now. For now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.